So there is an expectation if you want to continue to move up, like anything, there's going to be additional responsibility. Sometimes people are, for whatever reason, I don't want to lead other people today, tomorrow, ever. Great. You're going to own XYZ process, right? So it, it gets into those types of conversations versus like a job description. And so it's really the easiest way to think of it as a common language of talent for an organization. Hi, I'm Aaron Levy, and I have this vision of a workplace where your manager doesn't suck, where instead your manager is your coach, helping you to reach your full potential at work. I founded Raise the Bar, wrote Open, Honest, and Direct, and started this podcast to help companies transform their workplace into a place where both the company and employee succeeds. In this podcast, I get to interview leaders who built high-performing teams and learn from them on what it takes to unlock a team's potential. Today, I had a good friend of mine on the show, Caroline Werner, the Chief People Officer at LogicGate, a company that provides a modern risk management platform for enterprise businesses. Caroline is responsible for the company's people strategy and culture as they continue to scale at rapid rates. In today's episode, Caroline and I discuss the concept of career journeys or portfolios, and how they make a common language for top talent in your organization. We dive a mile deep into the benefits, the challenges, and the way a good career journey supports the future growth of your business. It's a fascinating conversation and something that I think every organization can benefit from. Enjoy, take a listen, take notes, and we'll see you soon. Well, I guess we should roll, Caroline. It's it's a blast to have you on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. We get to have conversations, it feels like, you know, every other week about everything. And I'm glad that we have a chance to share some of the insights that you've shared in our conversations with others. Yeah, no, super excited to be here. One thing that I, I kind of want to start with is early in your career, you you had mentioned how you were disappointed in how people above you maybe didn't see you for what you could contribute to the organization. And what I'm wondering is, how does that, like your early experience as an early employee in organizations, how does it impact how you lead and support top talent today from, you know, your team, but also the organization that you lead and how you strategically think about that? Yeah, I think it's, I've talked a lot about this because I have had a career where I've moved up quickly and through opportunities and being tapped and taking chances and all that good stuff, which overall in many ways has been awesome. But at the same time, I think, you know, sometimes when you're at an organization so long, you're only seen as the person you were when you first came in. It's harder to to view people, especially if you're talking about big career jumps from, let's say, individual contributor to manager or, you know, manager to leader or whatever it is. And so I think where the disappointment came in some of that is I felt like I could do the work, I could have the conversation, I could own the project, whatever it was. And people that had supported me up until a point kept seeing me, keeping me, you know, at those lower levels, whether real or perceived. So I think for me, when I look at my own team, I really try to keep that in mind. I would say you learn more from the quote bad situations than the good ones for how you're not going to be as a leader going forward or in another opportunity. And so I really am mindful of that to say whether the person came in at X and is now doing Y or hasn't done this specific skill set or experience that I'm looking for. You know, if I know that they're a good person, an agile worker, creative thinker, collaborative, you know, all those other things, I'm going to give them a shot at something. So I think that's become one of my kind of core principles. 
And I, I love the phrase, you learn more from the bad situations than, than the good ones. And I think that's so many situations. And what I'm wondering is, so that's kind of reflected how you now see your team members and how you kind of like look at them for the skill sets that they have rather than the role that they're in, which is a critical mm-hmm. lesson to to keep in mind. And I'm wondering, how do you, you know, at a, a team of Logic Gates now, what, 250, 200 plus, something like mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. How do you, as the chief people officer, influence other people to behave and think that way? I think there's a couple things, right? I mean, there are operational things that we can do and put in place. For example, things like career journeys, which is a big initiative for us now. And through that, you know, identifying skilled capabilities at each level that transcend and are, you know, irrespective of what function they're in or what role they're in, but what we see is needing to be successful at those levels. So I think a component of it is making sure our talent programs, just talked about the example of career journeys, weave into that to to create the foundations. And then the other, it's sort of like the art and the science, that would be the science. The art of it is how we speak about talent, how we coach leaders to look at talent, uh, I think a positive of the you know chaos of the pandemic, and there's been lots of negatives, has been the way we look at talent, sort of opening our minds in a million different ways. And one of those, hopefully, is around looking at our talent for what they can contribute, how they approach, are they a values and a culture fit? You know, do they have strong work ethic? And it's kind of like the rest of it. You can teach someone for the most part. There are some roles that require you know, specific training or certifications and so forth, but generally speaking, right. And to look at talent more holistically and open-minded in general. Man, there's like a bunch of ways I want to dig into this deeper. I love the idea of values and culture fit with work ethic is like, then they can, you know, then we can invest in them. And what, I guess the, the thing that popped into my mind first was, can you dive a little bit deeper into what you mean by career journey? Because that sounds slightly, and the way you were describing it, it sounds a little bit different than the traditional thing that you know that we'd heard of in HR for years of the career path. Mm-hmm. Is it one and the same? Is it different? Like, and, and if it's different, how? Yes, I, I think this is a, a big piece and becomes, again, the foundation of your talent strategy. I came from Corn Ferry, which does a lot of this work for clients and got tremendous experience working with experts in this area. And basically the concept is, it's also referred to as career architecture. Mm. So you're looking at takeaway functions, takeaway titles, you're looking at levels in an organization, but it's also think of like the career lattice, not just the ladder, right? So, and this has become even more prevalent coming out of COVID, people want experiences, People want to learn different ways. Not everyone wants to move up. Maybe you're in marketing and you want to go to sales as a lateral. And so it's really the easiest way to think of it is a common language of talent for an organization. And when you are able to build a structure like that, whether it's a small company or a big company, it helps to then use that as a foundation for everything else. How do you reward? How do you performance manage? You know, when you're doing attraction for recruitment. How do you talk about the expectations of a job when you're goal setting? All those different things. And it also helps remove biases as a plus, which is important because you're talking more holistically about levels versus this person, this role, this title, this function. In the case of Corn Ferry, we had over 10 acquisitions in 10 years. So it's a way to harmonize and bring in roles from other companies. In the case of Logigate, putting something in place now when we're smaller, that as we scale and grow, 
and make bigger decisions around, you know, how we reward, how we retain, how we performance manage, we can reference that as a foundation. So let me make sure I'm understanding this correctly. So it's like, yes, we have your role that you're responsible for, but everybody has their kind of career, almost like portfolio where they're at a certain level within the company. And that level is determined by a set of skills. I'm getting this conceptually and thematically, but I'm trying to understand like how I would put it into play on my team or how somebody listening would like even go about putting this architecture together. Yeah, sure. And by the way, I should say I've seen like extremely complicated versions of this and then extremely simplified to where I'm not sure it's super effective. So my personal view is somewhere in the middle is the way to go because like anything, if you make something so complicated, no one uses it, well then who cares? So when I say levels in an organization, we'll take the extremes. You have an intern and you have the CEO, right? They both have jobs and responsibilities, but there's differing levels of complexity, contribution to the organization, accountability, right? So both are contributing, both are making the company work, very different concepts within each level. And so in between there, right, you have analysts and specialists and manager and VP and whatever you want to call everything else. And that increases in theory as you move up, right? So your level of contribution to an organization, the complexity of the job, abilities that you have to contribute varies. It's still there for everyone, but it's different. So it's like a different way of speaking about talent and your role in an organization versus just I'm an analyst, you're a senior analyst, and we're different. And, and again, that's that one common language of talent concept. Let's say you have 20 levels, like literally 1 to 20, and you map jobs into those. Surrounding those 20, let's say you have five career steps that layer in there, right? So let's say each, just for the sake of example, each career, each of the five career steps has four levels within it. So the big bucket career steps become, let's say, in, you know, entry level to individual contributor to technical functional expertise to a manager of people or processes to a leader of managers to an executive. And so at those big bucket levels is where you could tie promotion cycles, right? Significant differences in how you're measuring performance, the expectations of the role. You can slot in there a gazillion titles. And it doesn't matter if it's in product or engineering or sales or marketing, but then it also helps drive that commonality between those functions because whether you're an analyst in engineering or an analyst in marketing or a specialist in sales, you all still have some similarities for what you're doing. Again, taking out the the specialist nature out of it, but let's say when it comes to communication skills, interaction with the client, fiscal responsibility, whatever it is. Yeah, that's starting to make a lot of sense. And so it's like, it's putting together almost, and part of me for repeating, I'm just like, I'm absorbing this because as our team's growing, we're thinking about, right, how yeah. do you level and how do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And, right, title doesn't mean everything. And what's the right way to help people grow? And I think what you're saying in this is, it's it's a set of skills that they have. And some of those skills are related to like the the levels of responsibility that they might have. And it's not always are necessarily tied to their their job title, but tied to those skills. And then you're able to help people grow there. And just because they're at a certain level in the business doesn't mean they have to manage people is kind of what you're saying as well. Absolutely. I think you hit on an important piece there because we're literally in the middle of rolling this out at Logicate and had a lot of good discussion around, you know, sometimes the, the classic age-old career path is like, I have to become a manager to move up. 
And that's not always the case. The way I like to think about it too, is you could be a manager of people and you could be a manager of processes, right? Or both obviously, but you don't have to be a people manager. So there is an expectation if you want to continue to move up, like anything, there's going to be additional responsibility. Sometimes people are, for whatever reason, I don't want to lead other people today, tomorrow, ever. Great. You're going to own XYZ process, right? Now, you may also have to then, the skills might be you know, influencing resources that don't report to you or project managing cross-functional teams, right? So it, it gets into those types of conversations versus like a job description, which... To be clear, you still need a job description to talk about like, what do I actually do every day? And, and if I'm an accountant, you know, what are the expectations? It's not that those go away, but it lifts it up a level when you're talking about opportunities and experiences. Yeah, I'm seeing this picture of like, on one hand, you have your job description, which is expectations and responsibilities for doing your job, your role. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you have this career journey, this career portfolio, this leveling, which is your skills and areas of development for you to grow into. Yeah, there's a lot of use cases, right? But I think from a promotion process perspective, especially when we're talking at the those higher big buckets I, I gave as you know entry level, the individual contributor to technical expertise can really be helpful for evaluating talent. And again, have to plug, it does take out biases, helps take out biases, I should say, and provides clarity. So it's not only like within the promotion process, but let's say someone on your team is thinking about moving up to the next level and what does that look like? Or we hear a lot of this today, right? What are my future opportunities? What am I going to gain? What can I do here? It elevates that conversation up and I think brings some some clarity to it. And now to me, it even makes sense when you said earlier, like you can use it for hiring too. And mm-hmm. see where that person would slot in. Not only can they do the functional job, but what skills do they have and what level would we slot them in at? Even do you use like, I would imagine you could use it for pay scales too. A thousand percent. All of the, what we just talked about is super fun and, and the, the great part about it, but there is a huge element on the operational side, right? Programs are only as good as they are if they have sound operations, especially when I think about the scenario we're in in Logicate, growth and scale, it's not just in size but also in changing and growing what skills we're going to need, what roles we're going to need, international expansion, right? And so it allows you to then create that baseline for absolutely layering comp ranges, bonus eligibility, program participation. You know, you're having a, a program or something or eligibility for X level and above or whatever it is. And especially when you start thinking cross-functionally or if you do an acquisition, it can help you with that, which is why I love the like one common language of talent sort of slogan there that helps really articulate the core of what it is. This is just really fascinating because I know you've spent a lot of time and have a lot of experience in this, but you know, mm-hmm. someone who's been in this space a lot, this is not a conversation that that I hear and I think that people think about as much as they probably should. I hear so much more often, we need to get career path and then Mm-hmm. I, what I see is even worse, which is just a hot mess of job titles of manager yeah. of this, of VP of this, of senior director of this, because we want to keep our people happy and the great resignations happening and <laughs> I like, and so anything to keep them happy and give them the right title. But then when their title doesn't match up with the VP of sales title, cause they're doing very, very different things. You're like, what the heck? And then there's all the comp, like the whole cascade of things. And so I just think this is such a crucial element and 
And as you said, not just a process, but a thematic way to think about your people. I almost feel like every company should should be having this. The question is like, when's the right time in your organization to implement something like this? Yes. So I'm a live example of having gone through, again, at Corn Ferry, we had many acquisitions in a short period of time. And you had the complexity of you know working in all regions, 38 countries. And it took us a year and a half to map everyone just to, to get to the complexity of it. Totally worth it, but a ton of work. Here we are at Logicate. We are approaching 250 employees. We're primarily in the US, expanding in the UK and have aggressive growth plans. And to me right now is the perfect time for Logicate. I think if you do it much earlier, there's almost not enough sort of meat and potatoes to to kind of put something together and have a sense because you do want it to be scalable. I think later, again, totally doable and worth it, but it only gets harder because you, by nature, you have many more titles, like you were just saying, right? You're going to just naturally have that or you have had an acquisition or two, throw that in and there's probably not a lot of sync between there. So I feel like we're at that sweet spot right now. Because again, when you go through the mapping, so once you develop the framework and then you map all the roles, there's always, like anything, there's going to be outliers. There's going to be people that don't fit, red circle, whatever it is. And that's okay. That only gets harder when you get bigger. So it's good to establish it I would say earlier on, again, I think we're at the sweet spot for that. And then also it helps as we talked about, but I'm thinking about it for size as well, as you start to further develop and make your talent programs more sophisticated, which I would imagine if you were at this size, like we are, we're going through that, right? Formalizing our comp program, saying LinkedIn learning, where we're going to tie learning paths to the different levels. So it becomes that core anchor for everything talents, I think now is a, is a perfect time. Yeah, I think what uh, interesting kind of like transition that you started to mention it was how once it's in place, how then do you go about like building if if we've set a common language of talent, how do we then elevate that common language of talent, right? Like how what are the things we do to help people grow their levels in this, you know, career lattice, career journey? Yeah, and this is where I would put the plug for that art and science and balance between making it too complex where nobody you know, can relate to it, but not so simple that it's not effective. And that is sort of a sweet spot. I've seen it done both ways. I think my other plug would be to somehow automate it if you can. So whether that's layering the levels into your HRIS system, you know, any, any sort of systematic concept, because doing it on spreadsheets, and especially as you get bigger, just gets super complicated. And then like anything else, you know, it's only as good as it was last updated. It's not fluid. So I think then it gets down to coming like anything, come up with your phased approach. I love a good pilot or a phased approach of, you know, what are, what are the three things we want to accomplish? You can't boil the ocean because it can get crazy, but look for marrying things that are in your strategy and priorities with how you can leverage the career journeys. So for example, I mentioned LinkedIn learning, we just put that in place. We are going to leverage that for coming up with learning paths that tie to the big career levels. We're looking at, you know, continuing to enhance our promotion process. I want to make sure we leverage the levels. We're working on our compensation. So using the levels there. So I, I think you can kill two birds, attack two things by coming up with alignment to your priors because there's a million things you can do with it, but you can't do it all at once. It's not going to be adopted. 
And how do you approach the, so like if I'm, if I'm going to zoom into the like individual conversation of a manager and an employee mm-hmm. and, the, and the employee says, okay, I want this promotion or I want to take myself to the next level. And right. Like how, how can I get there? How do you, like, what do you equip the managers with? What conversations do you want them to be having? And, and maybe more importantly, like, how do you help people level up? Yeah, there, there is a lot of education around the, the career journey, the career architecture framework, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It comes down to like adoption, right? So for, for us, we just announced it at our HQ kickoff and we will intentionally start to weave the language into everything we do going forward as we continue to launch this out. And it really just gets down to habit in many ways, right? This is that one common language of talent. So anytime we're talking about performance, we're talking about promotion, recruiting, it becomes part of the language. So there is definitely a level of training for our people leaders to understand what are the conversations? How do you leverage it, right? How do you weave it into your development conversations, whether formal or informal? And same with you know an individual contributor. How, how do they leverage it? Now we're in the infancies yet. It's not even out there. I mean, we've communicated at high level and concept, but over the next, you know, six months to a year, we will start to implement it more holistically and in detail. And then again, weave it into the the talent programs. From a promotion leveling up perspective, this sounds super tactical, but going back to my art and science, I think it's a combination of both. You got to weave it into, so let's say you have a promotion recommendation form where the individual has to put in a statement and the leader has to put in a statement, the language is in there about the expectations. It also gets into once you define what are the skills and capabilities and responsibilities at, at each level, then communicating those out as framework for then people to use against to measure to say, okay, I see this requires this, this, and this. I still need to work on my communication skills. And now I'm going to go to LinkedIn Learning to go find that. And then I'm going to talk with my manager about opportunities to observe you know, XYZ person doing presentations for clients. So I I think it's like anything, a combination of things, but the secret sauce is making sure it's woven into kind of all the core talent management pieces. And in having done this at a, you know, much larger organization with a lot more complexity, having rolled this out here, like what's the one thing that if somebody else is listening to this, they should be aware of or avoid like that one, that one mistake that you can say like, Hey, I've done this or seen this, like watch out. Biggest one for me is don't make it so complicated that nobody uses it because the stuff is all super interesting. But at the end of the day, if individual employee X doesn't think it's relevant, doesn't understand it, doesn't know where to go, like who cares how good it is. So for me, that is a huge thing. I'm a big fan of like, effective, but simple, because we can quickly make this stuff very complicated. And then my other would be, if you can automate it and systematize it, if that's a word from day one versus spreadsheets, then yes. So look for ways to integrate it into your HRIS, right? Into whatever learning system you use. So, and make sure that all flows together because the complexity and the challenge comes from it's manual and, you know, The person hired tomorrow that's not on the spreadsheet from yesterday, well, now it's not effective. So I would say those are two bumps that I've experienced and super mindful of not having that be the case with doing it at Logicate. And I'm actually going to flip the question around if of somebody who's starting this for the first time, what's the very first thing you'd recommend they do? 
I think you got to start with, first of all, you have to get everyone on board as in the executive team. So make sure there's interest and alignment because there's a lot of work that goes into this and it's something you're committing to. It's a long-term thing, right? Again, it becomes the foundation. And so if there is not a shared commitment, because these are the people that are going to use it every day, all day, HR can do a gazillion million things that we think are great and interesting and fun, and they might be cutting edge, but if the business doesn't care, then who cares? So getting that business alignment and making sure that people are bought into this concept, they don't have to know all about it. They don't have to sign off on everything, but the concept before you invest in it, because it is it is a decent amount of time and it is a long-term commitment. This is just really fascinating <laughs> and you're a clear expert in this, which I think, and I, I don't think I know others are going to really value and appreciate. And so thank you for diving like a mile deep into this, this topic of career journey and, and career portfolio. And I think it's, it is not only a tactical thing, but as you said, a holistic thing for how, you know, future forward organizations can and should think about their talent and think about their people and think about the language of people. So this is just, this is brilliant. Thank you, Carolyn. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, again, it's a lot of work and it's, it takes a village. And I'll admit, you asked me about mistakes earlier. I, I was a skeptic. So those that know me well know I'm pretty honest about this kind of stuff. And and I'm sure people who worked with me in the past would be like, oh, how funny Caroline's, you know, touting this. Because in the beginning, I was like, wow, this is a lot of work. This seems complicated. And But, you know, I'm a full, full buyer into it now. And here I am putting it in place at my current organization, again, with the, the pivot to making it more simple. But I think the concept is right. And, and it's right for all the stuff you hear about today. People want experiences. People want to understand not just moving up. People want clarity. You know, people are all over the place, right? So another thing is like access to everyone for under a baseline understanding of what the opportunities are. So, you know, I'm a buyer now. This is this is great. I think there's going to be just so much good learning that people are going to get from this and grateful for you making some time to share your insight and experience with others and with me. Yeah, no problem. Happy to. Open Office and Direct is produced by Raise the Bar, where we help companies level up their leadership by empowering their managers with the tools, skills, and training to be better leaders of people. You can get in touch with us at raisebar.co. Thank you for listening and go put your learning into practice.